Chapter Sixteen of the Call of the Wildflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Call of the Wildflower by Henry Salt. Chapter Sixteen: Limestone Coasts and Cliffs, where the most beautiful wildflowers grow, their man spear is fed. Thoriau. A limestone soil is everywhere rich in flowers. We have seen what the midland dales can produce, but it is especially so in the close neighborhood of the sea. Two instances suggest themselves, one from a Carnarvonshire promontory, the Orm's Head, the other from Arnsine Knot, in Westmoreland. Fifty years ago the great Orm was a wild and picturesque headland girdled by a footpath which made a circuit of the beetling cliffs and crossed by a few other tracks leading to the telegraph station at the summit st tudno's church and elsewhere but in most respects still in a primitive and unimpaired condition i knew almost every yard of it as a boy and i remember among other attractions a hermit who lived in a cave and better still a wildcat probably a fugitive from some landno lodging-house who had her home in a stack of rocks on the western side of the head on the western shore of the isthmus there was at that time only one house it belonged to dean liddell famous as joint author of the greek dictionary distressfully known to generations of students as little and scott but now owing to the development of land snow this once beautiful foreland has become a place almost of horror vulgarized by trams motor roads golf links and all the appurtenances of civilization and were it not for the wild flowers it might well be shunned by those who knew it in old days flowers however are very tenacious of their established haunts and the remark made in mr j e griffith's flora of carnarvonshire still holds good that the flora of this district is quite unique in consequence of the number of species found here and the rarity of many of them the luxuriance of the flowers is indeed a sight which can almost make one forget the improvements that have ruined the scenery among the plants inhabiting the rocky banks above the shore are the blue vernal squill the sea stork's bill sweet alyssum hound's tongue hemlock henbane mullein and tree mallow to these may be added what constitutes a herb garden ready-made fennel wormwood vervain white whorehound wild sage Sucori and alexanders on the higher cliffs are the curious samphire pink thrift white scurvy grass and great tufts of sea cabbage now rarer and more local than formerly but here waving its pale yellow pennons in abundance most charming of all the brilliant blood-red crane's bill together with two kinds of rock rose the hoary dwarf species as well as the common one makes rich splashes of color on the gray limestone ledges a little back from the sea among the bluffs that overhang the town you may light upon the sleepy-looking catchfly silene nutans the tiny hutchinsia and in one or two places the shrub cotoneaster which is said to be native only upon the great orm i have however seen it growing apparently wild at capel curig and at a greater distance from houses than in its landedno station nor is it only the great orm that shows this floral wealth the little orm has the rare well stone crop sedum forestarianum and on another height in the same district the small circular hill known as deganwy rocks there is a profusion of flowers 
when i revisited it a few years ago not having set foot on it for nearly half a century i found that the villas of diganwi had crept up almost to the base of the rocks and on another side there was still worse a camp of german prisoners with armed sentries supervising their labours yet even there close above such scenes were growing plants which might mark a memorable day in the annals of a flower-lover notably the maiden pink and the milk thistle the holy thistle as it is not inaptly called the pinks a lovely band were sprinkled along the turf at the foot of the rocks the thistles were almost at the top between them on a stony ledge nestled a quantity of vipers bugloss and with it some borage to a kindred plants which i had never before seen in company nearly all the members of the borage group are interesting lungwort alkanet forget-me-not houndstongue and bugloss but the borage itself a roadside weed in south europe and in its country merely an immigrant and casual is to me the most precious of all my earliest recollections of it i must own are as an ingredient of claret cup at cambridge its silver-gray stems floating in the wine with a pleasant roughness to the lip but in those unregenerate days we did not know the real virtue of the herb famous from old time as gerard says for its power to exhilarate and make the mind glad to comfort the heart and for driving away of sorrow and certainly in another and better use it does comfort the heart and drive sorrow away for its gallant blue flowers are of all blues the loveliest and the black anthers give it a peculiarly poignant look which reminds one somehow of the wistfulness of a gainsborough portrait in the list of my best beloved flowers it ranks among the highest looking northeast from the orm's head one may see on a clear day across some sixty miles of water the limestone hills of westmoreland reckoned as part of lakeland but geologically botanically and in general character a quite separate district arnside knot a bluff overlooking the estuary of the river kent where it widens into morecambe bay is the presiding genius of a tract of shore and forest to which the name of lily land has been given to mr j a barnes in a sketch of arnside in which he describes as a perfect paradise of wild flowers let us suppose ourselves transported thither and see how the claim holds good the lily of the valley is one of those favoured plants which are everywhere highly esteemed even the man who in general cares but little for wild flowers takes this one to his heart or what is worse to his garden i have already quoted mr c a john's queer appreciation of this native british wildflower as a universally admired garden plant on the wooded hill known as arnside park the may lily as it used to be called and here it is certainly not of the valley covers many acres of ground and justifies the title lily land as applied to the arnside neighbourhood what i found still more interesting was an almost equal abundance of the stone bramble rubus saxatiles which grows intermixed with the lilies over a large portion of the wood on these westmoreland cliffs as in those of carnarvonshire the blood-red crane's bill is conspicuous but it is much less plentiful nor are the outstanding flowers of the two localities the same one of the commonest at arnside is the tall ploughman's spikenard known locally as frankincense and on the lawns that skirt the knot one often sees the mountain cudweed or cat's foot the gromwell or grey millet and the beautiful little dwarf orchis 
the district is rather rich in orchards among others i found the rare narrow-leaved helleborine cephalanthera ansifolia in the arnside woods the deadly nightshade is frequent so too is the four-leaved herb paris which a resident described to me as being here almost a weed but there are two other flowers that demand more special mention in a lane near arnside tower a ruin that lies below the knot on its inland side there is a considerable growth of green hellebore apparently at the very spot where its presence was recorded two centuries ago though not a very rare plant it is extremely local and owing to its strongly marked features the large palmate leaves and pale green flowers is not likely to go unnoticed but the rarest of arnside flowers is or was another poisonous plant of the ranunculus order the baneberry for which the writer of Lilyland, as he tells us hunted for years without success till its exact locality was at last revealed to me by one who knew in a situation so obvious that i felt like a man who has hunted through every room in the house for the spectacles on his own nose years later on my certifying that i was not a knight of the trowel mr barnes was so kind as to confide to me this same secret that had been kept hidden from the initiate but i found that the small plantation which had been the home of the baneberry almost within arnside itself had recently been cut down and though a few of the plants were still growing along the side of the field they had ceased to flower and possibly by this time they have ceased to exist even as it was i felt myself fortunate to have seen the baneberry in one of its few native haunts the pale green deeply cut leaves are much handsomer than those of its relatives the hellebore and the monk's hood its racement of white flowers and its blackberries are also known to me but alas only in a garden where flowers are concerned there is little truth in the saying that comparisons are odious on the contrary it is both pleasant and profitable to compare not only plant to plant but the flora of one fertile district with that of another the natural scenery of arnside is yet unspoilt and for that reason it now offers greater attractions to the nature lover than the ruined charms of land to know but if he were asked for botanical reasons only to choose between a visit to the orm and a visit to the knot the decision might be a less easy one how happy could i be with either would probably be his thought End of chapter sixteen